And we, it's cool that we didn't even talk because we're talking about how as, as human beings, God made us to live with vision. And it's so cool, at the moment of your salvation, the moment of trusting Jesus, you received a vision from God. Because that's what happens to us when we encounter God. We get a vision of Him and His kingdom that's it's otherworldly, in the sense, not that it doesn't apply to this world, but it's beyond this world. And last year, at this time a year ago, there were thousands of preachers, pastors all over the world, who couldn't resist the temptation to talk about having 2020 vision, right? And nobody knew what 2020 was going to look like. And I was talking to Michael last night, and I mentioned, yeah, tomorrow I was thinking about talking about 2021 vision. He's like, you know, that's like less than 2020 vision. Like, I don't know if that's a good idea, but it's, a lot of people are like, man, new year, you know, new me, new, you know, hopefully things are better than last year. And honestly, I don't know that the events in the world are going to be any easier this year than last year. Glad you came to church to get some hope here. (laughs) But I know that the vision and the hope that we can live with is not based on the circumstances of the world or what's happening, but that God gives us a different sort of vision that's beyond what's natural. And so today we're kicking off this theme we're going to be looking at for a while, this month at least, about being imagers. And the whole idea of that is that God made us in his image. And at the beginning of the year, it's a natural tendency to make resolutions and, and, you know, new year, new me, what am I going to accomplish this year? And there's some, um, you know, God in his graciousness has divided the world into days and months and seasons and years. And it's actually helpful to, to do some assessing and look ahead at things like that. But, where was I going with that? I was distracted because it's just good to be with you all, actually. I mean... Who, Emily, where are you? I just good to see, I think all these people I want to say hi to. Hey, Samuel, man, Eric, ah, I'm just like good to be with a room full of great people today. Um, and so here's the deal. It's not about looking at what are we going to accomplish as much as knowing who has God made us to be. It's more getting a vision of who Jesus is ultimately And that's like Abdulia's vision. That's what it starts with, is seeing who he is more fully. And then when we see who he is, it elevates our understanding of who he's made us to be. And then we do out of being. We accomplish. We we do have a mission and a purpose, but it's less about that. That's the, the overflow of realizing the calling and the identity that God has given us. And this morning we're going to look at a story. You know, before we do that, I just want to say that it's, that's always been one of the hallmarks of followers of Jesus. I'm going to scoot back a little. Does that help? Hopefully so. It, always one of the otherworldly hallmarks of the followers of Jesus is that they have a vision that is uncanny and different from everybody else. I just read this week that in the early first centuries, at some point in the first couple centuries of Christianity, as the message of Jesus was spreading in his kingdom, Quite rapidly, there went from a handful of believers to about 7 million followers of Jesus in the world. And at that time, I don't know how they came up with these numbers, but many scholars estimate that there were 2 million people who had been martyred for believing in Jesus. Wow, 7 million Christians, 2 million martyrs. Okay, COVID odds, not so bad. 
all right? 99.7% survival rate, not so much to worry about. Being a follower of Jesus, first couple centuries, about one in four chance you're not going to live very long. Okay, that, that is an otherworldly vision. That is, wow, I am believing something that is so important, so gripping, so important, that gives meaning and value to my life, that I'm willing to lay aside all the things that the world says I have to cling on to. I'm willing to lay aside my safety, my security, my status, my achievement, my financial wherewithal. All of that is insignificant because there is a greater vision that has gripped my life. And that we wouldn't be here today if people hadn't received that kind of vision. And that's the same kind of vision. It wasn't just for the first couple centuries, but that is the essence of the vision that God calls us to live with throughout our life. We're going to look today at something that uh, in the New Testament, no one did this but Jesus. There were all sorts of miracles that were performed by, by different followers of Jesus. But Jesus is the only one we have a record of who healed blind people, who gave people vision, physical vision, who didn't have vision. And there are actually numerous examples of this. There are at least seven different individuals in the Gospels, the stories of Jesus' lives, where we read detailed play-by-play of how he healed blind people and gave them vision. And then a couple other places it says they brought their lame and their blind to him and he healed them. And so this was a thing that Jesus did. And it's obviously pretty incredible that he healed people who couldn't see physically. But I believe the reason this is such a prominent miracle Jesus did and so prominent in the Bible is that it's speaking to something even more. That as incredible as it is for someone who physically can't see to have their eyes opened, it's even more significant for people who are spiritually blind to have their eyes open to who God is and a greater vision. It's even more significant for us to receive a heavenly vision, a kingdom of God vision for our lives and the world. And that's what I just, man, I have faith this morning that God is, is wanting to impart that vision to us. Wherever we're at, um, maybe rekindling some things that we've seen from God before, but taking us beyond what we've seen of his vision of him and for your life as well. And so before we dive into this story, let's just, um, let's pray and ask God to do that. Holy Spirit, thank you that you open the eyes of the blind. You give us vision from you. And I ask that, well, that's real vision, not just like, you know, what's my, my goals that I'm coming up with for myself, but no, hearing a, a prophetic, revelatory vision from God, would you open our eyes this morning to see your vision in Jesus' name for our lives? Amen. Okay, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. This is a story of one of these seven healings of blind people that Jesus did. And I'm just going to read through it and, and talk about some of the insights and applications for our life as we go. Verse 46, it says, They came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, he is Jesus. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, and literally Bar-Timaeus, if you know any Hebrew, Bar means son of, so Bar-Timaeus is son of Timaeus, like Timaeus Jr., was sitting by the roadside. And that's significant because, I think it's insightful because names mean things, 
It names mean things in the Bible. And Timaeus, the meaning of of Timaeus is honor. And actually, Timaeus was a, 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 was known, was a historical figure or a, a literary figure, one of Plato's associates in the writings of Plato. There was this dude named Timaeus, his name means honor, and he had, he was involved in the, the philosophical discourses with Plato. So this was about 300 years before Jesus, but it would have been made, would have been known throughout the Greek world, of which Israel was part of, um, Greek and now Roman culture. He was, he was known for basically having insight into the nature of reality. You know, he philosophized about the, the true meaning of things and what the world is really made of. And so he was a guy, he was, his name means honor, and he saw, he you know, at least had the reputation of seeing things. So you've got Bard Timaeus, whose name means like, hey, I'm son of honor, but he's blind. He's his name is associated with a person who's supposed to see better than the average Joe, but he can't see at all. And I think this is just such a picture of our human condition, that we are imagers of God. We're made in God's image. We're made with a high calling. We're made to see. We're made to understand at a, at a high level. We're made as the, the, the pinnacle of his creation, image and glory of God. But yet, we're also dust. We're made out of dust, and then because of sin, we're broken and fallen. And there's this, this tension between the honor and the vision he intends us to live with, and then our, our humanity and the, the weakness of that and the brokenness of that and how it plays out in all of our different lives. And Bartimaeus certainly felt this. He was blind, and because of that, he was, he was a beggar. He's got this great name, but he's a beggar. And so Jesus and, and the, the disciples are coming by, and you know, I just think this is, this is kind of interesting because you've got these different characters in the story. You've got Bartimaeus, you've got Jesus, you've got his disciples in the crowd. And like a lot of the stories about Jesus, the disciples aren't the heroes in the story. You would think they would be like the heroes in the story, but they're, the disciples are the crowds. A lot of times the disciples aren't. And so we're going to see that's kind of the situation here. Um, verse 47, when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The first thing we've got, and i got to actually, I was going to say this earlier, but I kind of doing something today I don't usually do, but I stole a lot of this message from a, a guy who's a little bit of a reputation named Rick Warren. Um, and he wrote a, a, a message I read recently. It was actually two pastors about vision for this year. And using this story, I was like, man, this is, this, I think this is for us. I think this is something to talk about. So a lot of these points come from, from Rick. Um, so thank you, Rick Warren, for helping us out here. But the first thing we see with Bartimaeus is that you've got to believe that Jesus can give you vision. Bartimaeus was in this blind condition. Impossible. But somehow, he came to a place of believing that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, had the goods that he could change Bartimaeus' condition from not seeing to seeing. He believed that his impossible situation could be turned around through this man, Jesus. And for us to receive vision, that's where we the starting point. It's believing that, you know, my life 
doesn't have to be determined by my circumstances, by my feelings, by my weaknesses, by my imperfections, by where I'm broken, by the challenges I'm going through. That's real, but a greater reality is Jesus. And I believe that Jesus can change. And he can, he can change my situation, and he can give me vision. When I feel like, man, I don't have what it takes. How could I, man, what is my life? What can I do? Jesus, he can do it. So we've got to believe Jesus can give us vision. Verse, continuing on, verse 48. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. This story is in, actually, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in one of the other accounts, it was not just many, but it was like the disciples and the people following Jesus. You know, it seemed like they should have had things together, but they were like rebuking him, saying, no, be silent. Telling him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. The second thing we got to do to receive our vision is to ignore all the negative voices. There are a lot of negative voices, right? Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm sick and tired of how the weather has been replaced by COVID as the easy thing to talk about in every conversation. I'm, I'm just, I'm tired. It's like so much. There's so much negativity in our world. And, but it's not just there, but it's, it's here. You know, I mean, a lot of the negative voices are in our own heads. And those negative voices will keep us from seeing Jesus in the vision that he has for our lives. Just a couple of Sundays ago, we were here on a Sunday morning, and it was, you know, it was a smaller Sunday. And I found myself sitting here as we were singing, having the thoughts run through my head that I've had more than once in my, in my tenure of trusting God to start a church from scratch and reach the city. And I'm going, okay, what the heck are we doing? Like, where, where's the city? Like, what's going on? And I start, but then it turns into, like, Man, I should be like, probably like, what am I doing wrong? What am I not doing enough? Where am I a bad leader? Man, oh, da 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 da. And I was just like, I sat there and I was like, no, man, I've, I've done this too much. I've, I've gone down that road too much. No more. I just, something came over me like, I'm not going to do that anymore on a Sunday morning. Maybe on Wednesday. Maybe that's a reasonable time. <laughs> you know, maybe there's some assessment, but this is the wrong time. That is not God. So, just, I'm not going to do that ever again. And we have to do that. We have to see, like, what are the voices? They, may, they come to us in our own head, and there are plenty of other people, and media, and all sorts of things that bring those voices to us. And for us to receive vision from God, we have to ignore the negative voices. Um, it's dangerous to be concerned. One of the reasons we listen is because we're concerned about what other people think about us. And that is, that is, that is a trap. In Proverbs 29, 25, we're told that it is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you're safe. Wow, that's where safety is. We think safety is like, oh man, get everybody to like approve of my life. No, that is a trap. But trusting the Lord, that is where we find safety. So we've got to ignore all the negative voices. Back to the story. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. 
Next thing we got to do to receive our vision from God is to listen for God's call. Got to listen for God's call. God is ready to call out to us. I, I think there have been so many times in my life where I've been sensing, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. God, give me direct way. And then I, but when I come to a place of just getting before God and saying, God, will you help me? I need vision. I need direction. He always brings it. It's amazing. I remember when we first started this church, and there were five of us in our kitchen saying, okay, what's the vision? What are we supposed to do? What's God calling us to? And it was crazy how, like, the word, like the ideas that we all had were the same. And we put down on paper, our vision is to, to be a growing, continually growing, multi-ethnic, multicultural church that's reaching all of K-State, Manhattan, and Fort Riley area with the gospel. Where we're seeing people from those areas continually coming to faith in Jesus, maturing in their walk with God, and being sent out to influence this area and all parts of society. And it was just like, yeah, we, that's, that's what God's called us to do. And so many times, I remember last, last January, I was in a place of some discouragement and just praying. And man, I, I saw, kind of like Abdullah, I saw a vision, a literal vision that just brought so much hope and understanding to what was going on. God is faithful to come to us and to give us, to speak to us when we call out to him. And Bartimaeus was really good at that. You know, he was, just, he was, he was calling out to God loudly. Lord, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. You know, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to the people around him. It was not just like, you know, polite religious observations. No, he's like, man, i got to have some vision. Jesus, help me. And if we believe that Jesus has the answers, Romans 10, 6 says, faith speaks. God, we got to listen for God's call. If we're really listening, we're probably calling out too and saying, God, Speak to me. Some of us this year, I believe what God wants to do is just do what he's done in your life, what he's done in my life, is take some of you from being quiet Christians to louder Christians. Now, I was always, like, drawn towards the, like, strong, talent, strong silent type. Because that was what I was naturally like, at least the silent part of it. I don't know about strong, but I was silent. And I remember someone saying, silence may be golden, but sometimes it's just plain yellow. And you know, that was a lot of truth. That was true for me. It was, it was easier just to be, to be quiet. Um, but there's something about faith speaks. And calling out, there's something about us. I believe God is wanting many of us to just get more vocal in speaking, calling out to God and speaking what he said to us. So anyway, God's ready to call out to us. It's interesting in this situation that the call to Bartimaeus was kind of delegated from Jesus. Jesus didn't speak directly to Bartimaeus. He told that lame group of disciples and crowd who were following with him, hey, you go call him. And so Jesus called him, but he called him through other people. And Jesus does both. But a lot of times, we're not going to hear the call unless we can hear it from other people. A lot of times, we have to realize that God uses people around us. That those words that someone is telling us, that just were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. No, you don't know that. God's calling you. It's, am I going to listen and open up my heart to hear, to listen for God's call? It's kind of like, Ray and I have an old friend. He's a very prophetic guy. And his name's Jim. He's an older, older man. And he likes to do, he likes to do this with young, young men. 
he'll come up to a guy like Luke here, and he'll go, and, and Jim, Jim LaFoon has a reputation for really hearing God. And so he'll go, oh, Luke, the Lord's showing me. I'm, start, I'm starting to see a vision of your future wife. I'm seeing her. Oh, oh, I'm looking. Oh, wait, I'm going to need to call up some other prophetic brothers to come help me because she's so big I can only see part of her myself. <laughs> and he just says, I think that's a great joke myself. I don't know if you like it. But there's a, it's, it's true in the sense that the vision that God has for what he wants to give us we can only see a little bit of it, but other people see more of it. And we need to listen to the call of God as other people speak into our lives and, and ask that, look for that from other people. Um, okay, but it's God's call, too. Listen for God's call. A lot of times the problem with our vision seeking is it's what kind of vision am I seeking for my own life? What do I, what do I want to accomplish? And it, it turns into some lame version of the American dream where it's, hey, how can I be prosperous and successful and have a nice life? And it's, it's about me. That's not, that's not a heavenly vision. That is way too little. There is the call of God that comes to us that is, God takes care of our needs as we follow him, but it's so much beyond that. And it's about him and others and the kingdom of God. Um, sometimes we run from that. There's a kind of a, a story, if you read biographies of people who have been used by God mightily, that they resisted the call of God. That they were like trying to do their own thing and resisting. And, but then sensing like God is calling me and they finally bent their knee and surrendered. And then God used them to accomplish great things and bless many people. And that's not just true for the famous preachers and missionaries, but that's a reality that we all need to walk into, that the, our natural tendency to resist God's call and live for ourselves. We have, if we're going to answer God's call, listen for his call, we have to lay aside what we think might be our goals and listen for his call, which is actually so much better and bigger. All right, um, back to the story. Verse 50, and throwing off his cloak, Bartimaeus sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Next thing Bartimaeus did is what we got to do is we got to tell God exactly what we want. I was kind of getting ahead of myself talking about talking. Talking boldly, talk loudly, talk directly. God, this is what I want. God, I want vision. I want your vision. I want your will. I, God, this is what I, but this is, man, I got this blindness. Lord, will you help me to see? This is what I want. Tell God what you want. Now, Jesus, Jesus knew what Bartimaeus needed, but he wanted to hear him say it. And why is that? I think it's because we got to, it's not just, God doesn't just respond to need, but he responds to specific faith. He responds to specificity, or some, whatever you say that word, specificity, there you go. When we are like, God, no, this is what I'm trusting you for, this is what I want, then God meets us in that place. And it's, come, and it's coming from our heart. And that's really what God wants. He wants it to be like true, really from us. This is what I'm looking for. So we tell him, tell him exactly what we want. Um, and then, how does Jesus answer? 
Um, I actually want to flip over to the Luke account of the story, because I love, I think there's an insight here um, that is good for us. Jesus said to him in Luke 18, 42, Jesus said to him, receive, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. I think it's maybe easy to miss, but important, that Jesus didn't just say, I heal you. He said, receive your sight. So there's this implication that Jesus was doing it, but you have, there's a part on the, there's a role of the recipient to reach out and receive the vision that Jesus has given us. And that's the last thing here. We see that we, we as we took to receive the vision God has for us, we have to receive our vision in faith. There's some sort of active participation. There's some sort of actively discerning what Jesus is doing for us and saying yes to it. Saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. I receive that. I take that. I take that. And that is probably means replacing some of the other thoughts that we have received already and beliefs and values that we've received already and pushing those aside and saying, no, I'm instead receiving the vision that Jesus has for me. I receive it in faith. Um, you know, I come back to this over and over in, in my own life that I remember when we first were praying about, God, are you leading us to Manhattan? Was, do you want to start a church here? I came here to visit and was leaving town and pulled off the scenic overlook on K-177 and was praying. I just heard the Holy Spirit whisper, I'm giving you the city. And began to just imagine, just to have a vision of, God, what could you do in Manhattan, Kansas? I believe that you are, and just realizing, I mean, I believe, God, you want to raise up people all over this city that will be world changers. You want to raise up business people, people in the medical profession, people in education, people in the army, all, all engineers, all sorts of people. You want to give them a vision for their life. And you want to, like, you want to transform this city. I just began to believe, God, you want to do something in Manhattan, Kansas, that you would transform this city in such a way that it would be an inspiration to cities all over the country, all over the world. They would go, wow, that's what God wants to do all over. He wants to build his community where there's justice and peace and people are caring for one another, and that's what it looks like when people follow God. That's what you want to do in Manhattan. And so I come back to that all the time, going, okay, this is what I'm seeing in my life, it looks kind of, you know, small potatoes in a lot of ways. But God, this is the vision that you've given us. Okay. What am I going to, okay. I want to receive that. I want to receive the vision you have for us. You know, I'm more and more the thing that's hit me in the last month or two is I thought about that encounter with God and God said, I'm giving you this city. I've really seeing the you as plural in a way I didn't necessarily think of it so much at first. It was like, oh God, you're giving me that city. It was like, oh yeah, you're giving 
us. It's, you know, it's so little about me, really, but it's about us. Like, it's a people. It's a, a people that receive or impregnated by divine vision. And I can't live any other way. God, I know you are doing something in my life that transforms people around me and brings your vision into the world, brings your kingdom into the world. And so God is wanting, I believe, each one of us to receive vision from him today and this year and open our eyes in fresh ways. So I want to encourage us to be listening and to be asking. And I want to take a minute right now just to pray with us and to ask if God would want to, what he would want to drop in our minds right now about the vision that he's given for your life. So let's, let's pray together. God, thank you that you're the, the giver of vision. Thank you that part of what it means to be your imagers is unlike any other creature we can we can imagine we can see uh, you you made us to see things in our mind's eye before they happen lord i just even thank you for that today god just to thank you that you made us to live this way that we're you always put a mental image first we need vision before we can live out the reality, and see it accomplished. Lord, thank you. I, Lord, thank you that you are, you are the one who does this. We look to you, Jesus. And I just ask today that you would speak to the hearts of people in this room, people watching online. Would you drop vision in our minds for our lives? Lord, I pray for for people, whether it's right now in this moment or moving forward, to, to get a glimpse, to get a greater picture of who you've made them to be. Lord, let do something that, that we, many of us would say, man, in January 2021, my eyes were opened to the purpose for my life. And it hasn't been the same ever since. Lord, I pray in addition to that, for others of us that we, we have seen a lot, that you would help us to, to shake off, the, just to pull out where, wherever that's been buried, that you would help us to, to unearth it, to pull it out, to set it up on a prominent place, on the, like the top bookshelf. Say, God, yes, this is from you. I want to treasure this. I'm going to believe you and receive the vision you've given me and trust you for it.